We're over in Matthew chapter 2 here this morning. Matthew chapter 2, it looks like the children have already been dismissed. Last week we were looking at fakers, pretenders, and quacks. Particularly looked at Zeba, Joab, and Mephibosheth. And we saw that Zeba had presented a story to David that David didn't check out before he accepted it. And even though Zeba had never caused any trouble in the kingdom, Zeba had never caused any problems with David, he hadn't presented anything false as far as we know. But all of a sudden, he decided to go into this direction to do these, this uh, particular thing. And don't know exactly why or what motivated him to do it, but it seemed that he was trying to get the rest of the stuff uh, given to him. Didn't expect Mephibosheth to have made it out of this situation alive. That uh, Absalom would have seemed to making sure he was dead and he figured no one would be around to take care of, uh, expose his lie. That's my assumption on it. So, Zebra presents this about Mephibosheth, and we were talking about people that come into your life, they pretend to be something, they fake being something, or they're just outright quacks. We defined each of those when we were here last time. The, um, they're going to come into your life. You're going to have Zebas that are going to come in and you've never had any trouble from them before, but all of a sudden they are going to present something to you about people that you know, people that you've been kind to, and you're going to have an opportunity to believe them. You must know that Zebas do exist. They are out there. They may have been hidden for a while. You may not know exactly where they are, what they're doing, but they are there. They will come out. And if you do what the Word of God says, if you listen to the Word and you check everything out with two or three witnesses, you won't get in trouble. If you listen to the voice of your Spirit, the voice of your Spirit will expose things like this. And just you'll just know something's not right, and I'm not ready to respond to this. It does not matter what you hear from people that are zebras in your life. What matters is what you act on. If you think on it, you'll probably act on it. So when people come and they bring a bad report about someone, that has been good in your life, you have never noticed anything like this about them, don't believe them. Don't go, you don't have to go right in their face and say, liar! <laughs> you don't have to do that. You don't have to be confrontational about it. They wanted to say something to you. You just listen to them. Don't act on it. Don't think on it. They may even come to you later on. What did you do about it? I didn't do anything about it. You're one witness. I can't act on that at all. But you don't have to tell them at the, at the time what it is that you intend to do or don't intend to do. Don't be quick to dismiss what other people have done for you by what someone else has said. This is uh, one of the things that the enemy does with us is he tries to put words in our heads that have no foundation to get us to act on them. He did that with Eve and he's done that all through history. He will give you words without foundation to get you to act on them. On that same theme, I want to take a look at the Matthew chapter 2, this is part of the Christmas story, so it's a good time to take a look at it. We have been over this sometimes in the past. We're going to take a look at it particularly with the aspect of looking at how to find support people and get people on your support team here in Matthew chapter 2. It says, Now Jesus, having been born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, learned men from the eastern regions the lands of the sun rising made their way to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For he saw his star in his, at his rising, and we came to pay homage to him. Now, I'm reading from Weiss translation, not intentionally. I didn't realize that I had my uh, translation set to that when I, when I moved this stuff over. 
but apparently I did. So I'm, I'll adjust it where I can, but <laughs> Reese is a good translation. I have, I have no problem with, uh, with reading his, but he has reasons for why he's translated some of the things the way that he did. But here in the days of Herod the king, we have the, the wise men that came from the eastern regions. This is the area of Babylon. The wise men, the history of the wise men, or the magi as they are called, their history is they go back to uh, Babylon and before. And this is knowledge that is passed on knowledge. You will find a current day uh, representative in, in some of the things like the Masons. The Masons are a group that pass on knowledge. They collect knowledge and they pass it on. You get into the lower levels of the Masons and you can, get, you can leave anytime that you want to. But there's a certain level, and I don't know what it is, but there's a certain level that when you pass that as a Mason, there is no getting out. You are in for life. Uh, there's other organizations that are like that as well, but I know the Masons is, is one of those. Uh, just because they have this kind of knowledge doesn't mean that they're evil, but the, the Masons certainly seem to have some aspects of it that are not too good. I don't think that anyone in the lower levels of the Masons ever sees this, I, and I, I don't know it from experience. I just know from what people have told me. But here you have the wise men, and we saw the wise men back in the book of Daniel. And Daniel was a wise man. He was brought in. So he's brought into this group. But what he says here, we have seen his star in the east, or as Weiss puts it in the, in the um, land of the sun rising. Things rise in the east and they set in the west. So they move, move that way. And that's because that's the way the, the earth moves. Now these are the only ones that are watching for it. And if you've been around here for a while, we've identified what this is. When they saw a star, understand the Bible never says they followed the star. Not until much later. Here in the beginning, they do not follow the star from their land to the land of Israel. They do not follow their star to the town of Bethlehem. What they saw was they saw the appearance of a star. And when they knew when the star made their appearance, they knew it was time to go. And so then they went to the destination that they knew they had to go to, which was Judea. More than likely, this is passed on because of Daniel. Daniel was in the Magi. Daniel was given some prophetic things about things that were to come. And more than likely, he was given some details on this because we really don't have much scripture on this. If you want a scripture... But the only thing that you can find is in Numbers 24, verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. That is as close as you can get to something that talks about a star and the birth of Jesus. But that doesn't seem to indicate what has occurred here. So what seems to have happened is Daniel got word from God that there would be an appearance of a star. And he's in a group of people that watch the stars. And so this word seems to be very specific to this group. Watch. When you see this star, then know it's time to make the journey. So this group believed the word that Daniel gave them. They kept watch for all these, all these uh, decades. They kept watch from the time of Daniel until the time of Jesus. They watched for this star. Now, what was it that they saw? How would they know? And it's, it's fairly, fairly easy to, to come to a conclusion. I can't tell you this with any definite, but this is, this is what I believe has, has occurred. 
is that stars rise in the east and they set in the west. That's how the stars move. They always they, they move in that particular direction because that's the way the earth is spinning. The, the stars aren't necessarily moving that direction, but we're spinning that direction. So what would happen is they don't know necessarily what to start to, to look for, but they know that something is going to be different. And Daniel may have given them more details on this, but it is very possible that what he said to them was, look for a star that either doesn't move or doesn't move with the rest of the stars. And they watched the stars close enough that they would see, wait, there's a star that just appeared and it's not moving with the rest of the stars. Because all the, all the stars move in the same direction. Y'all have seen those pictures where they just, they, they keep the camera lens open. It's called a bulb setting. If you ever have a, you know, a fancy camera, anybody ever seen the B, the letter B? There's a letter B on If you have a fancy camera, an SLR, that type of a camera, you'll see a letter B on there. That B stands for bulb. That means that if you set it on there, that the shutter will open and not close until you hit the shutter again. It just stays open. So you have this kind of a setting. You open it up into a dark area of the sky, and that light begins to burn on it. Well, you, you uh, keep that open for 15, 30 minutes, an hour, a couple of hours. You'll get these streaks across from the stars because they're all moving in the same direction. But if you've ever seen those streak pictures, everyone is moving in the same direction. Everyone stays exactly the same distance from each other throughout the entire picture. But if you've got one star that suddenly shows up and shows up in the east, he says, we saw her star, his star rising in the east. It would seem from what they're describing here, they only saw it in the east. It didn't keep on going to the west like all the other ones did. It stayed in the east. And this is unusual. This is odd. This is not something that happens. And so this told them, commence the journey. They know where to go. We are to go to the land of Judea. They don't know where to go beyond that, but they know where to go to there. They are the only ones watching for it. There is no one in the land of Israel watching for a star. None of the scribes, none of the Pharisees, none of the uh, lawyers, no one is looking for this star. Only the foreigners, the Magi. That's why we really think that uh, Daniel had the influence on, on these things. So stars are not east, but from Earth's perspective, put in your outline, move from east to west. So if one doesn't move or moves oddly, this would be, this would be something that would be different. This would be something to say, hey, what's going on here? So the star only begins their journey. They do not follow the star from their land to the land of Israel. You can't follow stars, can you? Anybody ever asked that? Well, how can you follow a star? A lot of times we just accept stuff, but this is just people throwing things in there. The Bible never said they followed the star from their land to the land of Judea. It says they saw the star, and so they left. So... As we put in your outline, the blank in your outline, this means they knew the destination, but not the exact location. They knew the destination, but not the exact location. They're asked about the timing of the star when it appears. So they knew that. They kept watching. They kept looking for the star. Can you imagine all those decades, all those years from the time of Daniel? Remember Daniel said 490 uh, years, weeks of years, are prepared for your all those centuries. They waited and they believed God was going to do this. Israel over here doesn't even believe the words that are in their scripture. 
But these magi believed what Daniel had told them. They passed this knowledge down and they hung on to it. They kept looking. And when the star made the appearance, they saw it. And they began to make preparations. They had already began to get some gifts together. They put this uh, offering, put it on all these camels. If you've seen the, um, the pictures of the wise men, you know, how many wise men are there? Three. Yeah, it's in the pictures. Uh, the Bible never says there's three. But uh, my father used to pass this on to us. He told us uh, in the, uh, the pictures that they did in the, in the uh, oh, I can't even think of the time period now, in the Middle Ages, somewhere there. But they did a picture of a group of people. One represented an individual. Two represented another number. Three represented a multitude. So when you saw the three wise men, they're saying there was a multitude of them. We don't know how many. There could have been 10. There could have been 50. There could have been 100. There was a big bunch that came from here, and it was a multitude of them. It was not just three. And King Herod, having heard, was stirred up and irritated in all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests of the people and the men of the people learned in the sacred scriptures, he went to inquire of them where the Christ should be born. So he doesn't know, but we don't expect Herod to know. So the, the, the Magi come, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Now, they fully expect the people they come to to be looking for Jesus. Fully expect it. We're in another country. We saw the sign. We got on our camels. We got all of our stuff together. And we came, we are prepared to be in the presence of the coming king. And they get there and no one knows what's going on. Can you imagine the shock on the Magi's face? wait a minute, we're, we're way out there. He's not our king. But we came to honor him. And, and you guys don't even know anything about this? How do you not know that he's been born? How do we know that he's been born and you don't know that he's been born? So Herod hears this, he gets upset. He's, uh, he doesn't like this. So he went inquiring about from the people who, who study these things. And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, that's where he's supposed to be born. For thus it has been written throughout the prophet and his own record. And as far as for you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, by no means are you least among the leaders of Judea. For out, for out from you shall come one who governs, such as one who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, having called the learned men, secretly ascertained accurately from them the length of time since the star's appearance. And sending them to Bethlehem, he said, having Having proceeded on your way, conduct an exhaustive and accurate investigation concerning the child. And after you discover that for which you are seeking, bring back the news to me in order that I also, having come, may render homage to him or I may worship him too. So they agree to do this at the time and they, they take off. But no one knows where he's supposed to be born except in the town of Bethlehem. So they decide we're going to head on over to, to Bethlehem. It's not too far from where they're at. We're going to make our way on over to there to see if we can find out and investigate where he's at. This is not just a small group of people. You don't just sneak into town. These guys make an entrance. They're carrying a lot of stuff. If you've got a whole lot of riches, wise men are not the best guards. So you've got to have a small army with you to protect all the gold and all the stuff that you brought. Plus, just to protect them, they're important people. So they've got their bodyguards, they've got their entourage with them, they've got all the camels, they've got all the gifts, they've got whatever else that they brought. 
that when they come in, they make it, their presence is known. We know where they are. And uh, they don't just sneak up on you. So this is what's coming into town. And Herod is, uh, he's upset at this. But he does a really good job, apparently, of faking it. That's what we're looking at here today. Actors. Herod is an actor. You have actors in your life. You may know some of the people that are actors. How many of you know people right now that can act out things? I mean, they can pretend that they are something they are not. Because they are an actor. This is what they do. People that are professional actors, I mean, they just, they take on the role. They don't just speak the lines. They take on the role. They become that role for that, for that moment. And they just, they just, these, these folks can get so deceived by the role. I've heard this so many times. People on news shows interview actors because they played an astronaut. They'll ask them astronaut questions because they played one. And they'll answer like they're an expert. You're not an expert. You're an actor. You played the part. They're not a doctor. You played a doctor. You don't know anything. But they'll do this. I, just, I laugh when I hear that it gets, then it gets done. That they bring these actors in because they played a certain role and they ask them questions about that role. And they answer with all authority. I mean, they're, they're actors. <laughs> they're pretenders. And this is what Herod is. And these are wise men. These are learned men, as uh, Weiss puts it. These are, these are not novices. They've been around the block a few times. They have met a lot of different people. They know how to tell fakes from genuine. And Herod fools them. Because Herod is an actor. And he will act out any role he needs in order to get what he wants. He's a very good actor. He called for the, for the men, said secretly. He asked them, when did the, the star appear? Yeah, they told him, because they were watching out. And so he was able to do the calculations and figure out about how old this child was, because it took them a little while to get there. Now Herod, this particular Herod, reigned from the area of around 37, 36 B.C. to anywhere around 4 or 1 B.C. It depends on whose calendar you use. Jesus was born, of course, in the years before Christ. <laughs> Jesus was not born in zero. In year zero, he was born in, uh, could be uh, like 3 B.C. or even 4 B.C. He may have been uh, born, maybe some estimate even before that. So he reigns up until a few years after Jesus. Because you remember the scriptures tell us, uh, get Jesus out of here to get him down to Egypt. And a few years later, the people that want him dead are gone. And so they, they bring him out. Well, he was two years old before Herod went hunting for him. And then however long he was down there in Egypt. But he is considered to be a very clever and capable warrior, orator, and diplomat. There are some things that he did that were very kind. There is some kindness in him. He gave back some tax money during a very hard economic time period. He just gave back people some tax money. You don't hear about that too often, do you? He melted some gold statues and gave money to the poor during the famine of 25 B.C. He built theaters, racetracks, and other places for entertainment. In 19 B.C., he began reconstruction of the temple. 
and that's why it was called Herod's Temple. He really imp- uh, made that bigger, dressed it up. He revived Samaria and built a beautiful port city of Caesarea and several other cities. And he built the fortress of Masada, which I'm sure many of you have, have heard about in history. But he was also very cruel. He was very jealous, suspicious, and afraid for his position and for his power. He had a high priest, uh, I hope I get this name right, Aristobulus, drowned. That high priest happened to be the brother of his wife. After he was drowned, after he's dead, he provided a magnificent funeral where he pretended to weep. He then had his wife killed, then her mother, and even two of his own sons. Five days before his death, he had a third son killed. He imprisoned most of the distinguished Jewish citizens in order to kill them on the day of his death to make sure that there was weeping in the streets when he died. So if you're going to see two different things out of the person, they're acting some of them out. Either they're acting to be kind, they're acting to, 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 to show people something, to throw them off. Herod would do this. He was a very good actor. Very good actor. And he did fool the wise men. And having heard the king, they proceeded on their way, and behold, the star which they saw in its rising kept on going before them until having come, it stood above where the young child was. All right, now we got the part where we're following the sun. Or the, 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 the star. How do you follow a star? And particularly, how do you follow a star over a house? Anybody ever ask that question? How do you do it? You can't follow a star. But if this star was something different in the sky, if this star was a, was a star that didn't move with the other stars, then it's not a celestial star. It was something different. What I propose to, that, that it could be is that this star was either an angelic host or an angel that was up in heaven. And the light of that shone as if it was a star. And after they made their trip and came on out, and they got to the place, that star came closer to the earth and stood upon where the child was. And this is what guided them into where it was. Now, he was born in Bethlehem, but he was not in Bethlehem at the time of their visit. They only met them for a little while. There's no reason to hang out at the manger. So the wise men don't come to the manger. When you see the pictures of the wise men in the manger scene, that didn't happen. They didn't make it in time. They were two years late. About two years late. So when they get there, he's wherever it is that they're living. And they just come to the, to the house. Let's take a look at what happens here. And behold, the star which they saw at its rising kept on going before them until having come, it stood above where the young child was. Now, we get to heaven, we'll find out if that was something else, but it is not a celestial star because you can't follow it and that cannot rest over a house. So it has to be something different that became something they could follow. And having seen the star, they rejoiced with great joy exceedingly. And having come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And having fallen down, they prostrated themselves in homage before him. Now see, it's no longer a baby. It's a young child. 
There's particular Greek words that mean baby, infant, and particular ones that mean toddler, young child, and this is how we also know the age that was there. So they, uh, and having opened their treasure chest, they brought him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are the three things that were there. We don't know if that's all that they brought, but this is uh, the main aspect of it. These gifts all represent something. Gold represents his kingship. Jesus was going to be king. They know this because Daniel revealed some things. When Daniel told them, they held on to it. You didn't have to tell these people something twice. They believed it. It's not like the Jewish people. The Jewish people, God has to keep telling them and telling them and telling them and telling them and they still don't believe it. But the Magi were not that way. They saw who Daniel was. They saw how God spoke to him and they had great faith in that. And even hundreds of years later, they still had great faith in what he had taught. They knew this was going to be a king, so they brought gold for the king. Frankincense is a symbol of his priestly role because he was going to have a priest role. He was going to be the sacrifice for us. He was going to bring that sacrifice before God. Myrrh was, a, was prefigured, uh, prefiguring of his death and his embalming. They knew about this, and so they brought the things for it. It's astounding to me that they had this much faith in it, and Israel would not do this at all. So these are, the, these are the things that they brought. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and probably some other things. But these are wise men. These are very rich people. They have a lot of money. They did not come and give him a ten spot. They didn't do that. They didn't put $20 in the card and say, here. They brought gold fit for a king. That means that gold was impactful. They brought myrrh fit for the burial of a king because that's what it's used for. They brought frankincense for a king. And whatever else they brought, they brought this with the idea that it's going to a king. What happened to the money? Where did it go? This is what happened, more than likely, you'll notice that Jesus was very well off in his ministry. Jesus had the best of clothes. In fact, they wouldn't even rip him up at the cross. Jesus was able to take care of himself and 12 disciples all through the ministry. They weren't working. What these, what these magi did was they came and they financed the ministry of Jesus. They brought the gold and Jesus had that to, do, to rely on, to use. As far as we can tell, Mary and Joseph didn't use it for the family. They knew what this was for. And they put, the, put it aside. Can you imagine having to guard all that gold? They didn't have a bank to put it in. I don't know what they did. We'll have to get to heaven to find out what they did about that. But let me call your attention to one particular thing, because of the three things that we have mentioned here, one was about his death, and that is the myrrh. Now, they have a couple of choices. One, we can sell it and use the money for whatever it is that we would use money for. Or we can save it for what its purpose is, and that is the burial. Now, when Mary and the ladies went and they prepared the spices and the things, I imagine that this is what they pulled from. There may have been other spices that were involved in the burial that the Magi brought as well. But could you imagine being Mary... 
and having put all this stuff aside, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And every time you come to the myrrh and you see that, what's it tell you? My son's going to die. I will eventually be using this to prepare his dead body. Every time Mary would come and she would see the things that the wise men brought, she would remember that the wise men came and they honored this king. But she would look at this one gift in particular and it would keep telling her, your son is going to die. That had to be hard. What did Mary go through with all that? Seeing that on a regular basis. The way that God wired men, we are able to take something like that and put it into a compartment and not be bothered with it. Oh, that's myrrh. Yeah, it's for when he dies. Just put that over here. And we're able to just separate ourselves from it. Women don't do that so well. And God didn't make you that way. It's not a weakness. It's not character flaw. That's how he made you. Mary was always tied in with this, these things, this, these gifts that they brought. When we get to heaven, I'm going to ask the question, Mary, when they came, what did they tell you? What did they tell you from what Daniel had said? What did they tell you from the things that Daniel had taught them and brought into the teachings of the Magi that, caught, that caused them to make this long journey based on the appearance of something in the sky? To bring all this stuff and to give it to this baby. What did they know? And what did they say? What did they tell her? We'll have to wait to get to heaven because she did, apparently didn't pass it on or they weren't allowed to write it down in the Gospels. But I, have, I can't imagine being Mary and looking at that every time. Verse 12. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod by another road, they went back to their country. So they went back a different way. They did not do this because Herod gave them any indication that he had harm intended. They didn't do it because Herod gave them any indication that he was false, that he was angry. They had every intention of coming back to Herod and telling him the good things that they had found. But when that dream came, here's something that's not in the Word of God that I'm sure had to be. This is a huge entourage. All Herod has to do is come in and say, where'd that entourage go? Where's that house right there? So if they had that dream, they probably would have known we have to make several stops. We have to go around to a couple of different places and then even go some places afterwards. But Joseph got the dream and just know Joseph got the dream, move, get out of here. Because as soon as Herod hears they found something they're coming to get you so he that's why his his uh, message was make haste let's go and god comes and talks to him but this is why they did it because of dream not because of anything they saw in the face of herod or heard in his words they don't go back to herod because of a dream i'm sorry the miser don't go back to herod because of a dream not anything felt from herod 
So this means that Herod was a good actor. He was not a professional actor, but he was a good actor. You may not have many professional actors in your life, but you have some good actors around you. People can masterfully mask their intentions. Herod even did this from the wise men. Have you ever had it that someone masked their intentions and you didn't pick up on it until much later? But you found out about it later? How many felt kind of, why was I so stupid? How did I not see this? Sometimes we, we hit ourselves with these things. The wise men didn't see it. They're better trained on this than you are. They didn't see it. There are some people who are really good at this. It doesn't say so much about you. It says more about them. They have worked to make themselves good at pretending to be something they are not. They become very good at being an actor. This is where they focus their attention. You have been trying to make your character good, trying to make yourself pursue the things of God, pursue the calling of God. That's what you put your efforts at. They put their efforts in being a good actor and faking it and pretending and learning how to do it. Now, this does not mean distrust everyone. It doesn't mean that. Don't go around distrusting everybody that you come in. Well, I wonder if they're an actor. Don't, don't be concerned about it. Don't be going through life and somebody comes up to you and says something. Well, I wonder if they're just acting. I wonder if they're just pretending. I wonder if they're just faking this to get something. And we can become very suspicious. That does not come from God. That is from the evil one. He wants you to be suspicious. God doesn't want you to be suspicious. He wants you to trust people. He wants you to think the best of people. And that's how we ought to go. So this does not mean distrust everyone. It means rely more on God. Learn to rely more on Him. God doesn't send pretenders, quacks, and actors. He doesn't send them. They are already here. They're already in your life. They are already perfecting their craft, as they say. They are already making themselves even better pretenders, fakers, actors, and quacks. They're working on it. But they're here. God's not sending them. They're here. Just rely more on God. Just trust God. Just know, if there's a problem, God's going to warn me about it. He's going to tell me. Now, after they had returned, behold, an angel of the Lord appears in a dream to Joseph, saying, Having arisen, take at once under your care the young child and his mother, and be fleeing into, the, into Egypt, and be there until I tell you, for Herod is about to be seeking the young child to destroy him. Herod is about. The time is coming. He's, he's coming quickly to do this. They had already returned. They were already on their way back to their homeland. Herod's going to hear about that. He's going to hear that they, they didn't come and they tell him. And he's going to come on his own to try and get this baby. Verse 14, And having arisen, he took the young child and his mother under his care by night and withdrew to Egypt. They did it by night. Why do you do it by night? I don't want anybody to know. So he, as soon as he got the dream, he rose. He took the child and the mother and his case, can you imagine your life being disrupted like that? I mean, one day you got the Magi coming, honoring the baby, bestowing all these great gifts on you, and then you get this dream, 
and before the next day is there, you're out. Oh, this has caused us all kinds of problems. Up until the Magi come, we didn't have any of this trouble. But now we got it. Hmm. If they hadn't come, Herod wouldn't know. And it was there until the death of Herod, in order that there might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, having seen that he was deceived by the learned men, became greatly incensed, and having sent off those appointed to fulfill his wishes, he put out of the way all the male children, those in Bethlehem and in all its surrounding territory, from two years and under, according to the time which be, he carefully ascertained by the learned men. This was not a mass, uh, a, a, a massacre in Israel. He only went after the ones that were two years old and under. The numbers would have been low. This is why history doesn't really account any kind of great massacre because it may have only been 100, 150 kids in total. We don't want all the kids. We want two years and under. He wanted to make sure that he, he got the ones, the one that he wanted. So he probably went to Bethlehem because this is where the prophecy was. And then he also probably followed the trail and the towns and the that the Magi had gone to. But Jesus was already out of there by then. So verse 17, then there was, fulf uh, then there was fulfilled that which was spoken through the Jeremiah, the prophet saying, a voice in Ramah was heard, lamentation and great wailing, Rachel weeping audibly for her children. And she desired not to be comforted because they are not. But Herod, having died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Having arisen, take the child, the young child, and his mother under your care, and be proceeding into the land of Israel, for those who seek the life of the young child have died. So those would seem to indicate more than just Herod. And having arisen, he took the young child and his mother under his care and went to the land of Israel. However, having heard that Archelaus was reigning as king in Judea instead of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, he withdrew into the regions of Galilee. And having come, he established his home in the city of Nazareth in order that there might be fulfilled that which was spoken through the prophets. A Nazarene shall he be called. Now, look what this all accomplished. The people of Israel don't know anything about the star, but they do know where he's supposed to be born. Jesus is to be born in Bethlehem. So all the years that they're going to find a Messiah, they're going to find someone who was born in Bethlehem. Someone who lives in Bethlehem. This is what they're going to be looking for. Jesus' history is now, I came from Egypt and I lived in Galilee. Specifically Nazareth. And they, that's why the phrase, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They had that, that Nazareth was kind of a low-end uh, area. So Jesus never had to defend where he was born. No one even asked him. Where were, you, were you born in Bethlehem? No one even asked him that. He's a Nazarene. He comes from the town of Nazareth. We don't have to inquire about him. We're looking for someone who was born in Bethlehem. So his birth was concealed because it was done on a trip. Now Jesus knew where he was born. And if people asked his mom and dad, they may have told them. But it wasn't anything that was prominent. So they're looking for a someone from Bethlehem, and Jesus doesn't come off as one from Bethlehem, though, you, though he is. Now, when we go through life, we have to live life learning to trust God. Don't trust the world. Don't trust the things in the world. 
The enemy wants to get you to trust the world. Trust this medication. Trust this shot. Trust this counsel. Trust this advice. Trust this news. Trust this report. They're constantly giving us things and we should trust them. Do not trust the world. Trust God. Practice it. Somebody says something, who said that? And if, if, if it doesn't say, God said it, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> and just go, just look, just practice it. As soon as you hear somebody on the TV, somebody on the news, some politician, somebody somewhere is trying to tell you something, just learn, nope, I distrust that. That source is not God. Now, there's people out there whose source is God, and they may say something, but you've got to check out their source. Did you get this from God? Trust Him. If you learn to trust the things that God says and only trust the things that God says, you won't get thrown off by this. They'll have people in your life that are actors and they may fake you out. But trust God. God, I thank you that if any actor gets into my life, if any actor gets my confidence, that you will expose them to me. You will tell me in my spirit, don't go. See, if God tells you don't go, don't do something, then just don't do it. Trust them. Well, God, I don't know. I'm just feeling in my spirit. You're, not, you're telling me not to go. So don't, we don't go. Remember that story of the, uh, the pastor and his family? They had paid for a vacation over in Malaysia, I think it was. And uh, everything was paid for. And his, in his spirit, he said, don't go. Now, it only spoke to him. It didn't speak to the mom or the kids. But in his spirit, he had, don't go. And so he came to his family and he said, uh, family, we're not going. I have it in my spirit. That's all he had. Just had something in his spirit. No dream. No vision. Just came up in his spirit. Don't go. What do you mean we're not going to go? Where are we going to go instead? We're not going to go anywhere. They're not going to get their money back. They lost the money for the, for the vacation. And so they stayed home and the family doesn't understand. The family's mad. And then the earthquake happened and the tsunami, and it wiped out all the people in the very resort they would have been in. See, now it makes sense. But trust God. Trust God before you get yourself into trouble. Just trust Him. Learn to live life and practice trusting God. Just practice it. Trust His Word. When you learn His Word, trust it. Well, God, you said this in your Word. This is what I understand from your Word. I'm going to trust it. And just trust it. And somebody comes up and tells you something different? Nope, nope, nope. I'm going to trust this. I'm going to believe this one right here. Don't believe the world. Don't believe the things that people are saying. I, I practice distrusting them. I practice it. Even especially in the weather. Me and weather, you know, me and weather people, we just, we're, we're not on good terms. They constantly are throwing me off. I get all ready to get up and expect a nice little rainstorm and get up and it's not raining. You get, you get up and you expect certain things. They, they tell you this is coming. It didn't come. They don't know. Now, I want to say three things here I gave you that Jesus, uh, with Jesus, God has provided these three things. He has provided a pronouncement. The angels came and they made the pronouncement. There were scriptures and prophecies that were made that made the pronouncement. God provided for Jesus the pronouncement of his birth, the pronouncement of what was going to go on with him. God did that. 
God gave him provision. He brought the Magi, and they brought all, that, all those gifts, all that stuff that was going on. People who want to say that Jesus was poor, ask them what happened to the gifts that the Magi brought. Where did that go? The third was protection. When people came after Jesus, God warned people in a dream. Not just Jesus. He warned his father, warned the Magi, warned the different ones. This is what's going on. There was protection. God provided these three things. The pronouncement, provision, and protection. Now, actors will come along and they will try to be some or all of these things for you. As an actor, they will come in and they will try, I will make you, I will promote you. I will tell people about you. I will promote your cause. I'll help you get a raise. I'll help you get a promotion. I'll help you get this job. They will come in and they will announce that they will help you with whatever pronouncements need to be made. You don't have to do that. I'm going to speak good to you to the owner. I'm going to speak good to you to the boss. I'm going to let people know. These actors will come in. They will try and provide the very same thing. They will try and provide provision. Well, I know how we can finance that. I know how we can do that. I know what we can do here. They will also try and do protection. You know, watch out for this. This person over here, you've got to be careful. They're trying to give you protection. But they're an actor. Something is not genuine. Something is not right. Take those things from God. Don't do it from other people. I remember a story. I've heard it from uh, a few different ministers who have talked about this, but Brother Hagin's uh, was one that stuck with me a little bit better. That when he was getting ready to go out and to uh, leave the church and uh, have, his, have his own ministry and, and travel around and uh, things that God was leading him to do, there was a particular, uh, I think it was a group of, of men that had said, hey, we're, we're willing to get behind you. We want to do everything for you. We want you to come on down here to Texas and we're going to have offices for you and we're going to provide all the tape duplicating things that you need and we're going to help finance this and they had all this stuff taken care of for them and they were going to provide it all. Boy, it sounded like a, a real sweet deal. But in his spirit, God said, don't do it. Don't do it. Those men want to control it. They want to control your ministry. They want to control the things that I'm going to have you do. Don't do it. So he turned them down. And later on he found out, didn't know it then, but he found out later on what their intentions were. Trust God. People will come into your life. They will be actors. If they do not succeed, they will succeed if you distrust everyone. They will still have succeeded. The devil would have accomplished the purpose that he wants if you distrust everyone. You cannot go through life distrusting everyone. That's not what God told you to do. It's not how God told you to live. But God will provide the pronouncement. He will provide the provision. He will provide the protection. Now, actors will be revealed through three things. You can write this down. In fact, if you want, you've got a little, little uh, uh, thing going on with the first letter. You'll see it as, it as it shows up here. The first thing that will reveal actors in your life is events. Events that go on. The birth of Jesus was an event that revealed who Herod was. He couldn't conceal it. And he came out and he murdered all those children. These people now know, I know who you are, Herod. You can pretend to be someone who's a friend of Israel. You can pretend to be someone who's helping us by building the temple. 
and all these things, but I know who you are. Events will reveal who people are. You may have some actors at your job and an event may come up for a promotion and that event will reveal who the actors are. So events will come into your life and it will reveal some things for you. Second thing, first, events. Secondly, God. God is going to reveal these things to you through the Holy Spirit, speaking to your spirit. We've seen it happen through dreams and visions. Words of prophecy have come out. But God will, will reveal this to you as well. Listen to Him. Rely on Him. Events are going to come up and they're going to cause people to be exposed. But God is also going to do much of the same thing. Down in your spirit, you will hear these things. You will see these things. You will have dreams at night. Don't, don't go after this. Be careful over here. Events, God, here's the other one, others. There will sometimes be other people who will come to you and help you. Joab was one of those people. Joab could see the people that were around David They were trying to hurt him, and he would let them know. You will have some Joabs in your life. You may not always like all your Joabs, because sometimes they just slap you in the face. They're not really too concerned about your feelings. But you need to have some of them. Events, God, and others. Because people who are actors have big egos. They have big egos, and they need those egos to be recognized. And these things will, will bring them around. Now, here's a real important thing to understand. You can write this down however you want to, if you wish. Not everyone who is acting means you harm. That may be a surprise to some of you, but just understand, not everyone who's acting, you may realize this person is an actor. This person is pretending. This person is a, is a faker. But that doesn't mean they mean you harm. They may, but they may not. Just because they're an actor doesn't mean that they want to harm you. Some are just ashamed of who they are. They're ashamed of reality. Some people just wish they were somebody different than who they are, and so they try to pretend to be that person. I don't want other people to discover that I'm not this person. I need to pretend. I need to act. I want people to think that I am this organized. I want people to think that I am this smart. I want people to think that I am this caring. I want to be those things. I'm just not. I'm trying to be, but in the meantime, they're acting. They don't mean you harm. They're just very much ashamed of who they are or their own reality that they're in. Some wish they could be more for you, and they try. Some have a great desire that they would like to be more for you, help you. They may think, I've received so much from from this, so much help from this person. I would like to be more for them. And so they try to do so and they become actors. They can't actually do anything, but they want to. I remember uh, one pastor, I think it was Keith Moore, was talking about it. Uh, somebody had come up to him in the church and they, they said, uh, you know, we, we love what God is doing. We really believe in the ministry here. And uh, we are going to sow a big seed, and I think they said how much it was going to be, I don't know, thousands of dollars, something like that. We're going to sow this particular thing. And uh, he said, well, that's great. And he just, they looked at him and they said, well, we kind of are 
expecting a little bit more enthusiasm from you. He said, I don't know how, why, why he said this, but he said, well, you haven't done anything yet. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess they hadn't. <laughs> See, some wish they could be more for you than they can. They, they, they wish they could. I was listening to a, a service Jerry Savelle was in, and uh, he came up to Brother Copeland when he was poor, when, when Savelle was poor. And he said, I'm going to get to a place where I can sell $1,000 into your ministry. He said that to him. And he eventually did get to that place where he could do it. See, he wanted to be more, but he didn't pretend, he didn't fake. He said, I can't now. I'm not in that spot, but I'm going to get there. He declared, that's a, that's a lot better. But, you see, there's some people that have a good heart. They want to do good things for you, but they just can't. And they're not ready to, or for some reason they're, they're being prevented. So don't assume that just because a person is an actor in your life that they mean harm. Maybe they're just growing. They may want to do more for you, they just can't. Here's a third one. Some just don't know how to be genuine. They have been fakers, pretenders, for so long, it's all they know. And so whenever they get into a situation, they just begin to do that very same thing. They, they, they don't mean anything by it. They're not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to set you up with anything. They just don't know how to be genuine. They're just always fake and pretend. And so as soon as they get in front of people, they fake and they pretend. Because that's all they know. So don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the actors that may come upon your life. Don't be afraid of the pretenders. Know that God is going to warn you. You're going to get involved in a situation that's going to hurt you. Listen to God. He's going to help you. If you don't listen to him, well, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And that's on you. But you can listen to him. Develop your spirit. Listen. But it may be that that person who's a pretender, that person who's an actor, it may be that you're called to help them get over that aspect of their life and become something better, become something real. Maybe it's your role in their life to show them how to be genuine, how to be real, how to not have to pretend and hide all those things behind the closet, close the door so that no one, no one sees. You know, that real neat person who tries to portray to everyone that they're neat, but they got that room. They just take everything, they throw it in that room so that everybody sees this part out here. Maybe there's people in your life that you've become afraid of because you see that they're an actor, but God says, no, I need you to help them. Teach them how to be genuine. Teach them how to be real. Teach them how to not be a pretender. If you can get these people that are in your life already to not be pretenders, to not be actors, but to find out how they can be real, how they can be genuine to help someone, how they don't have to pronounce, I'm going to do this, when all you can do is this. Be glad for what you can do. You know, if you just did that, that would be such a help. That would be such a blessing. But see, a lot of times these, these folks have looked around and they see someone who says, well, I'm going to give $10,000 into the work of God over here, and they feel like, I can't do it. But I really like the recognition that they got. I really like the attention that they got. I sure would like to get some attention. And so they pretend to be something that they aren't. They don't mean any harm. 
Help them. Don't just distrust them. Listen to God. God, is that someone I can help? And God may say, yeah, go in there and try and help them. doesn't mean that that person is going to receive it. It doesn't mean that person is going to change. And it doesn't mean that you have failed if you didn't get them to. It just means, God says, go out there and give them some help. They may not listen. It's up to them to listen. But you can help them. Always be genuine yourself. Get rid of all the pretending. Get rid of all the things that I have to pretend and be this way and do these. No, don't be the pretenders. Be the reals. Be the genuines. We had a, when we have a family gathering, we had a, uh, my aunt would come on up and she came up with uh, uh, the terminology when a family would come together. The reals and uh, what was the other one? The pretends or the, uh, it was basically the outlaws and the in-laws. You know, there's the, there's the real family members and the people that just kind of came in from the outside, the, the married in ones, the, the, <laughs> the outlaws. They're on the outside side of it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not necessarily the way most families look at it. Most people, you know, married into a family, you get adopted just like your, your family. But who's in your life right now that may be a pretender, that might be a faker? Something about them that's not genuine. Don't react to them with fear. Listen to God. And if God says, no, take that assignment on. Help them out. I'll guarantee you that every single person that came to David, of those men that he had, were pretending to be something they were not. Because they were dissatisfied with who they were. They were tired of people kicking them to the curb because they weren't something else. But if you can take those people and turn them into genuine people, you can do just like David did and get some real support people, get some real folks to help you out. Because if you can take those fakers, if you can take those pretenders, if you can take those actors, and you can make them into something genuine and something real, you will enrich their life, and they will never forget you. And when you come to need help, they will be there, and they will rise up. I'm here for you. You were there for me. I'm here for you. But you see, we're, we listen to the enemy, and he gets us to be suspicious of everyone that's around us and afraid. And so we pull back, and we don't help them. Would you all stand up with me? Father, I know that there are people in this world who mean us harm. You didn't create them. They are here now. You didn't send them. They came on their own. And if given an opportunity, they would try and harm us. But you'll, you will help us with them. You will reveal them to us. You will speak to us and tell us what we can, what we shouldn't do. But there are also people in our life that just need help. Things aren't right in their life. And so they're in the category of a faker, a pretender, an actor, a quack. But you can help us bring them along. I pray this week for everyone here. They don't look for who these fakers and pretenders 
are. They're not looking for who they are to keep distance between them. They're looking at who they are that they can help. And there are some that can be helped. And some that can be changed. And we want to be used by you to be able to get them to do that. I thank you that not only will they grow, but we also will grow as we help them. And everyone will benefit. Use this this week. Show us some people. Help us see behind the mask. See the genuine person that's there. Just as Jesus looked on some of these people and had genuine love for them, that same spirit will rise up in us and help us to love them. And give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. One more note before we go. I did see, I haven't seen the actual Facebook broadcast or uh, post on it, but I heard about it. Uh, for those who know Rob Ford, their, um, uh, their son that they have raised for, for many years, they, he was in the wheelchair. Philip, uh, he passed away. But he passed away this week. So those of you who know Rob and uh, Peg Ford may, uh, may be aware of, of that situation. But uh, I believe it's on Facebook. They did post it on there. I just hadn't seen it. But I do know that it's up up there and so some of the announcements of what was going on uh, are there as well so for those who remember them uh, Tim and Margie Overmiller came they're from the same ministry up there Robin Robin Pager the others that helped out with that ministry founded it hope you all had a great day yesterday with the people that you were with make sure that you spread some of that joy to the people that you see here today and there will be no service on Wednesday night but we will pick up Wednesdays.